0: Welcome to the Go Lead Everything podcast. Do you aspire to become the best leader you can be? Then come along with me and GLE. Faith, love, integrity, courage. Four key values of great leaders all around the world. I'm Phil Swanson. And I'm on a mission to bring you leaders from all walks of life and arm you with the tools and mindset to lead effectively in whatever you are called to do. Are you ready? Because it's time to go lead everything. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to GLE, another episode here with a great guest. Thrilled to have on the show today a gentleman that is doing some pretty amazing things. Richard Harris, you can find him on Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, LinkedIn at Doctor DrHarrisMD. He's the host of the Strive for Great Health podcast and you can find that page and group on Facebook and you can also find a lot of his information at the This man is a child of God, podcast host, physician, pharmacist, speaker and advisor. I'm pumped to get to know him a little better and share him with my audience today. And before we get rolling, I do have to say I got some bad news for everybody. We have implemented fees on the show. We're, we're charging people to listen. And uh, I know it's sad and it's a sad day, but they're not monetary fees. It is an obligatory share fee. So if you do get value from this episode, make sure you share it out with at least one or two or three people that you think will get value to. And if you don't, then there's no fee. It's free to free to listen and give value. So uh, if you don't give value, don't share. And if you do, then go ahead and give it a share and um, help other people give value too. So Richard, man, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Phil. I I really appreciate it. And uh, it's always great to connect with another fellow podcast host and enthusiast.
0: (laughs) Right? I never thought I would say that before this last year. And then I started this thing and I'm I'm really enjoying meeting new podcast hosts and other people that are doing this. So when did you start your podcast journey?
1: It started in officially in October of 2019. I was thinking about how do I disseminate a message, right? Because at the time I was seeing people one-on-one, I had my own practice and I said, you know, I can't do this forever, you know, going one-on-one. I'm limiting my impact. There's so many people that can benefit from this message of hope and of, of peace and of lifestyle medicine and mindset change. And so I began to look at, well, what are the platforms out there where you can disseminate information to a lot of people? And at the time it was a blog or a podcast. And I said, I don't really like writing. I do writing. I do more technical writing. Like I create continuing education for pharmacists and educational content for some of my my corporate clients. But I don't like it. It's not like I get out of bed and say, man, I can't wait to write a 10-page document today. There are people who do that. I'm not one of them. But you get me in front of a mic or an audience, and man, I'm just in heaven. I love it. It's so amazing to me to connect with other people through voice and see the change and the impact. And I said, okay, well, maybe I should start a podcast. And I got on Facebook, you know, the official Facebook poll, <laughs> ask your friends, Hey, should I do this? And I think it had like 150 comments saying, dude, you'd be great for a podcast, start a podcast. And that's when I said, okay, does anybody know anybody who podcasts? Cause I don't know anything about podcasting. right? And I got connected with uh, Oziel DeBastos of Oziel Media and actually had him walk me through the whole podcasting process, like what mic to get, what hosting service to use, how do you craft an episode, how do you interview guests, I mean, all these things that we, we talked about, and then I just came up with the uh, first six or seven episodes, the topics, went from there, and then about 20 episodes in, I said, man, this is something I really enjoy, I really like doing, and I think this is something I want to continue doing for the foreseeable future.
0: Sounds like you did a way better job of launching your podcast than I did. <laughs> man, man, I, I jumped into this thing and I had some guidance from from people, I guess, on how to start. But man, like lining up episodes, all that, doing research and stuff. Man, I, I did not do any of that stuff. So kudos to you for reaching out. I, I am a big believer that we need to leverage our networks a little bit more to maybe not learn things the hard way ourselves when we don't have to, you know, so, but it's good to learn things the hard way. So tell us who you are, man. You know, we kind of jumped into the podcast topic for, for me and for my audience, share a little bit about your story and, and who Richard Harris is.
1: Sure. So what I do, technically my title is I'm a doctor, I'm a physician, I'm an internal medicine physician, but when people ask me what I do, I say I'm a part-time doctor. And then people look at me like I'm crazy because they've never heard of a part-time doctor. And they're like, what do you mean by that? And so it started off in high school. I liked physics and I liked anatomy. Those are my two favorite classes. And I made the decision to go to UT and I was a physics major. I thought I wanted to do biomedical physics. I thought I wanted to make prosthetics. I did a year of you know, engineering level physics, loved it. And then I got to differential equations and I said, oh, (laughs) no, this high level math stuff is not. I hated Diffie Q, man. That class was the worst. And I said, "Okay, I can't do high level theoretical math that I can't see any practical application for. So then I switched over into biochemistry and loved it. I thought I wanted to do research, did bench research. I studied fetal alcohol syndrome for two years, hated it. And I was about to enter my senior year or this was actually I was about to enter my junior year and I would have graduated early. And I was talking to the head of the lab, said, I have no idea what I want to do. I'm about to graduate. What else can I do with a biochemistry degree besides teach and do research? And he said, well, come to pharmacy school. I said, "Okay." I had no idea what a pharmacist did. Never talked to a pharmacist no idea what it took to get in pharmacy school. I just kind of scraped it together, took the test, got into pharmacy school. And then my first year of pharmacy school, I realized I wanted to go to medical school, but I'd never quit anything in my life. And I looked ahead and said, okay, if I quit medical, if I quit pharmacy school, will I be mad at myself? And the answer was yes. And I said, okay, if I don't go to medical school, Will I be mad at myself? And the answer was yes. I said, okay, you know what you have to do? Finish pharmacy school, go to medical school. And that's what I did. And then in medical school and residency, I realized that I didn't just want to see patients because there's other parts of medicine, the, the, the system that's broken. And I said, how can I help fix this system? Well, you need to learn about business. I said, okay. I decided my first year of residency that I was going to go get an MBA. And so I got out of medical school, worked for a year and a half, and then boom, went and got my MBA. And that landed me to where I'm doing now, which is all over the place. I have online courses, the podcast, I do consulting. I still do see some clients from time to time. I do speaking. I booked like five speaking gigs all across the country this, this year, now that things are open again. And it's really fun because... Everything I'm doing, I'm still doing with that core mission of helping people. That's why I became a physician. But I'm doing it in so many different ways, one-on-one, through content, through speaking, and then helping really innovative companies navigate through healthcare so they're also trying to make the world a better place. And so at the core, I'm still a physician. I'm just not doing what you would think a physician traditionally does.
0: I love that, Richard. Part-time doctor. I love it. And, you know, people, I think they sell themselves short on the impact they can make, you know, they think that they're, you know, they're working wherever they're working. And and they think that's, you know, the, the limit of their sphere, right? Maybe they do, you know, some volunteer work on the side, maybe help a family, maybe help, you know, another person, but you know, like you, you got these speaking gigs, you got this podcast, you start scaling your ability to help people and who knows, I mean, you can help thousands, millions, Potentially billions of people, right? I mean, you got folks like the 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 Bezoses of the world that you know they're they're really truly impacting the lives of millions, if not billions, of people. It's crazy.
1: Mm-hmm. And why not you? Why can't yeah, why not me? you? Yeah, I heard of starting a garage, right? Like, why yeah. why can't it be any of us that has a dream and a dream to make the world a better place or improve a system or do something great?
0: I heard a really cool quote the other day
1: that uh, a guy put on his
0: wall because he was listening to this news show and they were talking about these women that were abused and, and uh, you know, were having financial troubles or something like that. And um, he got this idea that, Hey, you know, I got all this money and it's he had just made a bunch of money and it was all kind of meaningless for him. And he was kind of feeling guilty. Like why did I make all this money? And then he saw these women on the news and he went and donated it and like paid for their homes and, and did this cool thing, right. For these women. And he wrote on his wall, he said, there is no, they, so everybody's always waiting for, Oh, you know, somebody needs to, somebody needs to help them out. You know, they need to do something about that. And, and his quote is there is no, they, as in, you know, if, if everybody was just pointing at other people to do something, then <laughs> nobody's helping anybody. Right. So, so individuals like us gotta go do it if you see a need, you gotta go fill it. And I thought that was a cool story. And, and just a great quote, there is no, they, and, and, uh, you know, it sounds like that's been your attitude all along. So I'm, I'm kind of curious based on your, uh, your past, you mentioned before the show that you took, uh, or were in a speech competition growing up and I'd love to hear that story again. I, I can relate. Cause my parents forced me to do some, some speech competitions of sorts. It was more like memorized speaking, but um, that, that helped me a ton. So t- tell us about your uh, speech competitions as a kid.
1: Yeah, I never had any formal training. I don't know how my mom decided to sign me up for this event. I think <laughs> so it was she made you do it too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, it was not my idea. <laughs> I literally think that no one signed up for the event. And my mom was one of the coordinators for the event. And she, I just got voluntold oh, man. pretty much That's because awesome. no one else stepped up. And so... <laughs> I don't remember what the speech was about. I think it was about equity. And I remember um, there were some parts of the speech that had quotes from MLK, but that's pretty much all I remember about the speech. And I memorized the speech, you know, spent hours and hours and hours practicing and practicing and practicing, and actually won the competition here in Houston. And so I thought that was it. I was like, all right, cool. I did this. I'm done. They're like, no, you got to go to regionals. I'm like, yeah, I got to do a what now? Oh, there you go. <laughs> and, and so I was like, wait a minute. I have to do this again in front of oh, regionals? Like, what's the region? And they're like the Southwest region. I'm like, Southwest? That's huge. <laughs> you know, I'm a little kid. I'm like, I'm imagining this is like half the country. How old were you? Show up. I think I was about 11. Oh, man, that's awesome. So, you know, I I do the same thing. I prep for regionals and the audience was like 10 or 20 times bigger than the audience at the local event. And so I remember I gave the speech and I'm walking up. I put my note cards on the podium. I just go into it because I've rehearsed it so much. Luckily, I don't have to think because if I had to think I would have bombed. I was that nervous. And I remember thinking that I'm so happy there's a podium here because my lower body was shaking like a baby deer. Like, that's how bad it was. And after the speech, I had no feeling in my legs. I couldn't walk. So another kid had to grab me and walk me back to my seat (laughs) and sit me down. And uh, I ended up getting second in that competition. A guy who was a a speaker came up to me and said, hey, you know, you've got a career in this if you want it. And of course, as an 11-year-old kid, I was like, no, I want to play with Pokemon and... Yeah. Um, pogs and whatever else was popular back then. Oh, man. And it was at that moment where I told myself, listen, if I can do this, I can do anything. Like, There's nothing that should scare me because this is something that people are terrified to death of. Right. And I just got thrown out there and I was able to perform and I performed so well that I ended up getting second in a competition that I had no formal training in. And little did I know that that was setting me up for what would happen later in my life
0: very cool it's amazing how much being able to speak and having just gotten up and done it even though you know to this day i still get those nervous feelings if i have to get up and speak even before a podcast like this one you know i'll still get some some butterflies before a conversation as funny as that may sound but you know once you've done that and, and know you can do that the confidence that you build it's just amazing right
1: Oh yeah. I was a very confident person after that. I mean, that was, you know, everybody's got, you know, five maybe pivotal moments in their childhood that determines a lot of who they are as a person and what they end up doing. And that was one of those pivotal moments for me where everything changed, where I started to believe in myself that I was capable of great things. Right.
0: Right. You also hit on something really important too. And you talked about prepra- preparation and preparing until you couldn't get it wrong. Right. And, and if, if anybody's ever gotten up to speak in front of people, at least this happens to me, I almost black out. Like, I don't, it's like my brain turns off and, and whatever I prepared is regurgitating. You get done. You ask me what happened. I couldn't even, I couldn't even like repeat it back to you. Cause I was just like in the zone, you know, spitting out whatever I was doing. Right. But you know, that preparation is something that people don't see. And so they think these people that are great speakers just get up there and naturally like have the skill. They're like, Oh, you know, they're just a really good speaker. Right. it's like, man, you know, they probably started with speech competitions at 11 and then slowly worked at it over the last 20, 30 years. And then probably for this talk, they probably prepared like crazy. You know what I mean? And, and people don't see that. You don't see the preparation. You, you don't see that when, like, the Michael Jordans of the world or the, or the Kobe Bryants, right? They don't see all the
1: hours that they spend to get where they get. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I talked about that on my podcast the other day. I said, you know, we all celebrate Michael Jordan for being Michael Jordan. The spectacular plays, the highlight dunks, the six threes and a half, right? <laughs> all of those things that are very iconic images. Right. But we never talk about Michael Jordan's practice we never talk about his work ethic his determination how many hours he put in the gym to get to where he is because Michael Jordan didn't just wake up one day and be Michael Jordan right you know he he didn't even make the basketball team the first time he tried out what if he had quit at that moment you know we would have been robbed of maybe one of the greatest or the greatest basketball player and one of the greatest athletes of all time someone that people still idolize and and are inspired by to this day what if he had quit? What if he had walked away? What if he didn't put in all those hours? And that's the part that we need to celebrate as well. We need to celebrate the work ethic, celebrate the failures, celebrate the things that we learn from them, and not just celebrate the success and, and the things that we can see and realize there's a lot that goes into things behind the scenes.
0: For sure, man. You probably know that as a doctor. You got to prepare, right? Holy moly. I know uh, I definitely want my doctor, if I'm going in for surgery or something, to have, you know, prepared to the point where he can't screw it up or she. But, um, you know, you. I know you're a pharmacist, too. I want to talk a little bit about pharmacy and pharmacology. But I had someone break into my house the other day, mm. and they stole all my antidepressants. What? Hope they're happy. <laughs> Boom. Ah, I heard that one the other day, too. I had to share it. But so... Talk to me. You said you said the system's broken. Mm -hmm. I thought that's an interesting comment coming from a doctor. And and I thought it was cool, too, that, you know, there is no they. You decided to pursue ways to fix the system. So what are you seeing that's broken about our
1: system? Oh, man, where to start? Uh, You know, I did an episode called The Forgotten Pandemic. And most people don't realize that America is a very sick country. Sixty percent of adults have one chronic disease. Forty percent have two. We spend one in every $5. So, you know, if you got a $5 bill in your pocket right now, take it out. One of those dollars goes into healthcare. That's how much money we spend on healthcare in in this country. Yet we have some of the worst outcomes of countries who are economically similar. There's an organization called OECD, Organization of Economic um, Country Development, and something like that. I think I just butchered that. But um, (laughs) I wouldn't have known,
0: man. I wouldn't have known. (laughs)
1: transparency, right? (laughs) Um, They, they rank countries. And you know, there's, there's countries that are similar to us that look like us, they have the same economic advantage that we do. And we have one of the worst outcomes, compared to those comparator countries, we have double the rate of obesity, double the rate of diabetes, double the rate of hypertension. And a lot of times people blame the person, but I'm like, it can't just be the person, it has to be the system, and here we do a very poor job of protecting consumers. Our drinking water is not even safe. Look at like Flint, Michigan. And that's just one example. Mm-hmm. You know, our air quality is terrible in a lot of places. Our food is just straight up poison. You now, if you go to McDonald's in Europe, you look at the ingredients. It's things that you can all clearly recognize. It's lettuce. It's tomato. It's, you know, whole foods. But you go to McDonald's here, you look at the ingredients. It's 37 chemicals you have no idea what these things are you know i have two doctorates i don't under- i don't even know what all these chemicals are and what they do so there's very poor c- consumer protection you know we subsidize the wrong things 90% more than 90% of the corn we produce doesn't go onto people's plates it goes into ethanol it goes into high fructose corn syrup right the three biggest crops we produce and they have the three biggest subsidies soy wheat and um, corn most of that goes into producing processed foods. It doesn't go into, you know, the soy, the beans, the legumes. Most of that is not going into actual beans and legumes that are getting sold. Mm -hmm. And then if a farmer wants to grow blueberries, but they have a soy subsidy, they can't, they literally can't, they lose their subsidy. So that's part of the problem. The other part is that our medical education is highly influenced by pharmaceutical companies. Mm -hmm. There's a reason that there's very little to no teaching about nutrition, about cooking, about meditation, about fasting, all of these behaviors that we know make a big difference. Mm -hmm. You want to know what the best thing you can do for yourself is? Be an optimist, have positive thoughts, you live 12% longer, you have a 36% reduction in cardiovascular disease, there's no medication on this planet that can get you that kind of effect. Right? And that's a massive effect for something that's free. Just have more positive thoughts, and it impacts your health. So there's so many fundamental flaws in the system. Our system is designed for sick care. It's not mm-hmm. designed for prevention. You get in a car accident, this is the best place in the world to be. right? By far. right? By far. You get diabetes, this is one of the worst places in the world to be. Oh, and man. that's quite sad that there's that massive dichotomy and care. And it really shouldn't be that way. We're suffering from lifestyle diseases, mindset diseases, and we're not creating the situations to fix these things.
0: You hit on so many good things. I want to go back and maybe we can hit some in a little more detail because maybe our audience hasn't heard some of these, right? Like that, you know, you you hit so many good ones. One of them, um, you were talking about just blaming the person, Right. And one of the things I hear all the time is, you know, we're always looking at medical history, like, like family medical history. And one of the things I'm really intrigued by is, you know, everybody from the same family typically has the same diet. And so I've always been, you know, they, they're like, oh, you know, that runs in the family. Heart disease runs in the family. Well, you know, I, I've always kind of questioned that. Is it? What are your thoughts on like something being hereditary versus, you know, way more environment or diet based.
1: Yeah, it's because you're an engineer. That's the way you think, right? <laughs> you, you think about problems. You think, does this answer make sense? And the answer that it's just hereditary. That answer is not, um, it's, it's not good enough. You're like, this doesn't, this doesn't equate. It doesn't explain everything. And you're completely right. We like to say that nature loads the gun, nurture pulls the trigger. And so families have the same habits. It's just what happens, you typically pick up the habits, the mindset, the abilities of the people who are around you. And so if you grew up eating fast food three times a day, that's your normal, that's all you've known. So you're, you're never going to think unless something jars you from that, radically jars you from that, right. that that is abnormal and that could be hurting you because that's mm-hmm. all you've known. And so yes, is there a genetic component? Absolutely, there is. But what we know now is there's a whole nother field called epigenetics. Basically, epigenetics is how we express our genes based upon our environment. So for instance, I've done genetic testing on myself, because every disease under the sun runs into my family. You know, We have diabetes, hypertension, high cholesterol, We have cancer, we have Alzheimer's, we have Parkinson's, we have autoimmune disease, we have thyroid disease, we have osteoporosis. And this is just in my parents and grandparents. Oh, wow. So, you know, I know that my genes suck. There's no other way to say I've done the testing, my genes are terrible. Mm -hmm. But I'm the only person in my family who's not obese in my immediate family. I'm the only person in my immediate family who's not on any medication. I'm the only person in my immediate family who hasn't struggled with mental health. But I I have the genes of someone who, if I did not interact properly in my environment, I would be in the same position that my family members are. But I decided to do something about my environment, modify what I can modify. And those genes have not expressed themselves because I haven't given them a reason to. And so you can change the course of your genetic expression by what you do. Mm -hmm. Are you eating whole foods? Are you meditating? Are you fasting? Are you getting exercise? This all changes our genetic expression. So does, are you being sedentary all day? Are you stressing all day? Are you drinking Coke three times a day? (laughs) That's going to change your genetic expression and actually damage your genes. And so you're going to express more harmful genetic profiles.
0: You mean if we sit in the office all day and stress out and eat like crap, that's not a good combination?
1: You'd be surprised at how many people think that doesn't correlate with their health. It's crazy. You'd be be surprised. There's a CDC study that showed only 6% of Americans get enough nutrients from food, get enough sleep, don't drink to excess, Mm -hmm. and don't smoke. Only 6%. 6%. That's crazy. And those are four simple things right. that everybody knows is healthy yeah. and only 6% do them. That's wild, man. Absolutely wild.
0: You mentioned um, mental health, big topic today with COVID and everything going on. I've, you know, I'm hearing more and more about people actually that, you know, our friends of friends committing suicide, young kids, you know, one of the things that I've heard is that just physical exercise alone is is maybe one of the best antidepressants, even, even better than any sort of medication has proven to be just curious. Like what, what's your perception on the mental health issues, especially now with COVID and and what can we be doing to maybe um, help ourselves get over some of that if we're struggling with it?
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a tragedy. I remember last June, I did a podcast episode about this. And at the time, anxiety screenings have gone up like 430%. And screenings for depression have gone up like 457%, something astronomically like that, like, like crazy numbers. And then you start to see more overdose, more suicides, more homicides, more robberies, and all of these things correlate with mental health. And you are completely right. I tell people the best things you can do for your mental health are what are you eating? There's numerous data that shows that. Like, one, there's actually data that shows that the biggest risk factor for you being aggressive and going to prison is the food you eat. Really? Because that impacts so much of our mental health. Because the food we eat is not just calories, it's signaling. If you get inflammation in your gut, there's a gut brain axis. You get inflammation in your brain. You get inflammation in your brain, well guess what? Your brain's not going to work correctly. It would be like if I throw out my elbow and my elbow is all swollen, <laughs> right. Is my elbow going to work correctly? No. Right. No, it's not. It's the same thing if your brain's inflamed. Right. And so we had an unintended consequence to go back to what I was originally saying of social distancing that was the worst thing they could have called it. Worst thing they could have called it. So the actual biggest negative impactor of our health, people think is smoking. It's not smoking, it's social isolation. You know, we have these things called hazard ratios, which is the risk of something happening in one condition versus the risk of something if you don't have that condition. And the hazard ratios of death from any medical cause are higher from social isolation than they are from smoking. You
0: know, it's funny. You're a man of God. And I just was reminded and I hadn't thought of this this whole time, but it's not good for man to be alone. And I, that's like the first thing after God created man was, Hey, you know, guess what? It's not good for man to be alone. So he created him a partner He created woman. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, that just resonated with me. I hadn't thought about it through all of COVID, but you know, now that you said it's the number one hazard, I'm not surprised. Right. Yep. Like,
1: Wow. And it's pretty crazy. I did a podcast episode on this called "God's uh, The Bible's Prescription for Health. And I went through the Bible and I looked at all the beat stuff that God said is good for us in just relation to our health. It's Everything is in there. All the lifestyle stuff I preach is in there. Fasting is in there. Meditation is in there. Eating the fruits of the land is in there. Being social is in there. Giving and, and being charitable is in there. Having positive thoughts is in there. Having gratitude is in there. Getting outside and getting sunlight is in there. Getting exercise is in there. It literally God outlined the plan for our optimal health, and the more time has gone, the more we've gotten away from that, and that's why there's so much disease.
0: Yeah, so fasting is an interesting one that I got turned on to a couple of years ago, and. It's something like you said, you know, being a Bible believer and studying the Bible in my life, obviously I talk about fasting all the time in there, but for some reason it's like, you know, until the last couple of years, it's like a faux pas thing. Like, oh, you know, fasting's is not good for your health. You know, my brother was like doing a bodybuilder diet. It's like, oh, you got to eat three times at, you know, every three hours, you got to get, you know, a gram and a half of protein for every calorie, you know, every pound you weigh or whatever. Like what, what's the deal with fasting and, and what should we be eating? I guess, for a specific question, because you mentioned how much diet impacts our health overall, mentally and everything. Like, what should we be eating?
1: Yeah, so I give people five quick tips. If you do these five things, you will get a lion's share of nutrition right. Number one, eat single ingredient foods. What single ingredient foods? Blueberries. You don't need a label to know what blueberries are. You don't need a label to know what tomatoes are. You don't need a label to know what chicken is. You don't need a label to know what shrimp is. So 90% of your nutrition should be from single ingredient foods. Number two, don't drink your calories to eat your calories. If God wanted us to drink apples, he would have made them in the form of juice. When you juice, especially store-bought juice, a lot of the fiber is removed. A lot of the nutrients are removed in the processing. You're just getting a 60-gram load of sugar. So when you think about next time grabbing a can of juice, just grab a Eight teaspoons of sugar and take that instead. If I told you take eight teaspoons of sugar, you're gonna look at me like I'm crazy. (laughs) But if I hand you a you know a Tropicana drink, you're gonna be like, oh, thanks, man. I'll 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 drink that. All right. So that's number two. Number three, do not use seed oils like canola oil. There's nothing heart healthy about canola oil. Cook with olive oil. Cook with coconut oil, avocado oil, butter, ghee, lard. Those type of things. Those are butter
0: uh, is awesome. And lard, man. Oh, yeah so good. That's I what our ancestors food. cooked with. I, I have like yeah. a, i have like a coconut addiction or something. I don't know. I've always craved foods. Like, do you think we crave foods because our body needs them? Because, like, when I was a kid, I used to eat butter packets, like plain. I love butter. Mm-hmm. And I, I craved those fats. Like, do you, do you think we just crave like kind of what our body needs? Or I, I don't know. I know you can get cravings
1: for fast food too if you're if you're addicted to sugar, but Right. You know, do you think our body
0: craves that stuff?
1: Yeah. So our body can't tell us that, Hey, we need more B12. It's going to tell you to eat a certain food, right? There's sometimes when our body says we're hungry, when you don't need calories, what you need is nutrients. That's why you can eat a quarter pounder with cheese and still be hungry two hours later. Because there's no nutrients. Yeah. There's no nutrients. And so your body's saying, I need nutrients. The only way it can tell you that is to say, I'm hungry. And then it can't tell you to eat a specific food. There, there is some nuance there. We do think the reason that we taste certain things is so we can tell what nutrients are in things. Mm-hmm. And so when you're craving something, that might be your body's way of saying, I need a certain nutrient. Well, food companies know this. They hired um, taste scientists, literally, that's a thing, a taste scientist. <laughs> and they made the foods mimic natural foods. So it tricks your body into thinking that certain nutrients are there. is that like msg stuff msg is things like that all those artificial colors and flavors and things like that it's meant to trick you into thinking this looks like what we were supposed to be eating Ah. that's why the artificial colors are there right to make the food bright like nature food so your mind thinks oh this is something nutritious like an apple or an orange or some other brightly colored fruit but it's not so all of this is calculated they know this if you take so there's there's only one food in nature that's high in fat and high in carbs and that's milk there's there's no other food that's high in fat and high in carbs together it's usually one or the other Mm -hmm. but if you take a high fat and high carb uh, meal which is your typical fast food meal what it does is it causes a dopamine spike a reward spike in our brains greater than the than any other food out there and anything, and it's even greater than what you would expect. Looking at them in isolation, like a fat meal and a carb meal, the effect is greater than than the single. Wow! But uh, to finish the five, I don't want to leave people hanging. Yeah. So eat no calories,
0: food. don't drink calories. Single, oh, right. single ingredient foods. Eat calories, don't right. drink
1: calories. Don't use seed oils. Right. What are the other two? Uh, number four is eat the rainbow. You have to eat like we just talked about. If you don't eat nutrients from different colored foods, then you're missing out on key nutrients. So the different colors mean different nutrient profiles. And I think that's really important to do because most people eat like the same three things over and over and over again Mm -hmm. and wonder why they feel terrible all the time (laughs) because you're not getting enough diversity in your, in your nutrition plan. You're probably nutrient deficiency. Uh There's some data that shows that 90% of Americans are deficient in key nutrients and that 10% of Americans have a nutrient deficiency severe enough that it's causing a chronic disease. Wow. So that's, that's number four. And number five is don't fear fat. The data linking fat to bad outcomes was largely bought by the sugar companies. It's mm-hmm. a little bit more complicated than that, but they paid off researchers to do these dubious studies that say fat is bad. Yeah. And if you look at when things went low fat, so as fat went down, rates of heart disease and diabetes skyrocketed as everything went low carb. And you all these things that are low carb or low, um, I mean, low fat, they're processed, they have to process it to remove the fat, because these foods don't naturally come low fat, the things like low fat yogurt, like Mm -hmm. what I say, milk is the only food that doesn't the only food that's high in fat and high in carbs together. So all of that is processed to remove the fat and that impacts The nutritional quality and it impacts what that does Mm -hmm. so if you stick to those five things you'll have a dramatically improved nutrition plan
0: i love those i love those eat the rainbow is one i haven't thought of a lot or or heard a lot but i really like that one i really like that one i think some of the other ones i've I've heard of single ingredient foods is really good too what this this is like the never-ending battle for me because i've done both and i've had success with both i actually like one better just at least from my experience and they're kind of polar opposites you said high fat and high carb don't go together and i I think these are the epitome of high fat and high carb opposites or i may be wrong so correct me if i'm wrong but keto versus like vegan plant-based like what are either of those right what what is your take on on ketosis versus like Mm -hmm. a vegan plant-based diet
1: Either one could be right for you. So there's no one size fits all when it comes to nutrition. I'm a big fan of keto. I've done keto coaching. I used to have a keto group. I have a keto masterclass. Um, When it's done correctly, it can be a great way to reverse diabetes, to lose unwanted body fat, to reduce inflammation. You can use nutritional ketosis to treat certain medical conditions like people will use it for seizure disorders. Oh, wow. People will use it for Alzheimer's. People will use it for Parkinson's. There's a lot of great data behind it, but unless you're, you have one of those medical conditions and you're doing it under supervision of a professional, it's probably best to intermittently go into ketosis through one of three ways fasting, like we mentioned earlier, um, following the nutrition plan sporadically. And some people will do like a five, two keto where they do five days, keto, two days off, and then get back into ketosis by doing a fast. Or um, they'll do like two months on, one month off, something like that. Uh, There's no right or harder and set way to do that. You know, sometimes you have to just kind of figure out what works best with your body. Being vegan can be right for you. Now, again, the data linking meat intake to bad outcomes is flawed. A lot of those studies didn't look at the difference between processed meat and unprocessed meat. So there's a big difference between, you know, me going to get a grass fed steak from the butcher versus me eating a hot dog. And the people who did the studies did not think to discriminate between the two. Yeah, but the, the ones that do show that the eating unprocessed meat is actually beneficial for cardiovascular health, or has no impact on oh. no adverse effects. Mm-hmm. So the only thing I worry about being vegan is number one, most people who are vegan eat way too many carbohydrates. That all they eat is bread and pasta and and cheese and that's not yeah. good for you. Or fake again. meat substitutes, right? Which is uh GMO processed soy, which is yeah, all bit. kinds of bad for you. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing is, if you're not careful being vegan, you can get some really bad nutrient deficiencies. And I've seen this on people who come to me who are vegan who want to get micronutrient testing done. I've done it, and they've got you know. Fifteen nutrients they're deficient in, so we we weren't designed to be vegans. All primates like us are omnivores. Sure, you know they're opportunistic. They'll eat meat if it's available. They'll eat plants if it's available. They'll just eat what's available. Mm-hmm. But you know you've never seen a gorilla pass up a meat meal because he's like, <laughs> nah, man, I'm going vegan today. Right? No, that gorilla is gonna eat what it's what it can get its hands on. Right? Sure. sure. So. Um, again, there's no one size fits all. I'd, I'd say the best approach to it is similar to what Mark Hyman calls the, the pagan approach where you're getting 50 to 75% of your plate should be vegetables. The other 25 to 50, depending on where you are and what your goals are, can be like meats and fruits, but most of our plate, the line share of our plate should be veggies. That's interesting.
0: So going back to biblical stuff. So, Early on, right, we were we were eating plants of the field and then there's the fall into sin and then we started eating meats and then you know there was kosher meat and, and unkosher meat and then you know Peter saw the sheet come down or whatever and had his vision and now and then you know God says okay it's cool to eat whatever. I I you know I I make the foods clean. You know, it's not that certain animals are unclean, but as long as as uh, you know you're eating them in in faith and and they're blessed by by me, then you can eat whatever you want. Um, I don't know if that's everybody's take on that, but what what are your thoughts on how we went from plants to eating meat? And and I've always kind of struggled with that because, like, from the beginning of time, we weren't eating meat, right? Or were we, or, you know, do you think we were made to eat meat?
1: I think so. I mean, if you look at our teeth structure, most of our teeth are designed for chewing plants. Right. But we do have incisors. We do have tearing teeth. Right. And so, you know, animals that have tearing teeth Uh are meant, the tearing teeth are there to tear meat off the bone. That's Mm -hmm. what they're for. And then the molars and things like that are to grind up plants. So we have both. Mm -hmm. All right. And so, I think that we eat too much meat, most people eat too much meat. And that was because meat was expensive. Back in the day, right? It was a it was a rarity, it was a treat for most families to have meat. And then the rich families, you know, they gluttoned on meat, and they all got obese and gout and stuff like that. Yeah, right. The poorer families were actually healthier. Yeah, as long as they didn't have infectious diseases to worry about, right. But we eat too much meat, but again, we as humans like to go to, to opposite ends of the spectrum. It's either I work out for three hours, or I don't work out. And yeah, I'm like, right. the, there's, there's a healthy middle ground here. Mm-hmm. And that middle ground is there's nothing inherently wrong with any food group for the average person. Now, some people Don't do well with meat. Their genetics, they can't process it. They don't make the enzymes. Mm -hmm. If they go heavily more plant based, that's okay. Mm -hmm. But I talked to so many people, they're like, I went vegan. I'm like, well, why'd you go vegan? I don't know. I just thought it was something to do. Well, were you having any problems eating meat? No, I wasn't having any problems. So that's not the reason to go vegan. Right, right. And it's the same in the opposite way. uh, People go carnivore. Okay, well, were you having any problems to plants? No, I could eat vegetables all day and I felt fine. I'm like, well, then eat vegetables. There are some people out there who are very sensitive to anti-nutrients in plants. This is kind of a funny topic. People don't think about it, but people don't typically think of plants as living creatures. They're alive, right? Yeah, And they don't want to be eaten. Nothing wants to be eaten. So what plants do is they mounted defenses by making two things. There's one, anti-nutrients. So plants make things like phytates and oxalates. The reason they make them is to bind up nutrients and the things that eat them so that those things can't reproduce.
0: Yeah. Wow.
1: And if they can't reproduce, then there's less of those creatures around to eat them. And then yeah. why do plants make phytoestrogens? This is something that we've heard of, especially with soy, right? Phytoestrogen plant-based estrogens. They made those to sterilize animal populations. Hmm. So there's less animals around to eat them. And some people are very sensitive to these phytoestrogens and to these plant anti-nutrients. And so those people actually do better eating less plants. But these are some things that, you know, I wouldn't just suggest that someone just does that to do that. The people who do well with this are people who know their bodies, who know science, who, or they go to someone who knows this stuff, who coaches them through it. Sure. So I've,
0: I've done keto. I did a, a bodybuilding diet with my older brother when he was doing a bodybuilding show. We did it the dumb way though. I mean, it was, it was, uh it was super unhealthy. It was low fat, but it was like lean pro, you know, lean protein and green vegetables. Basically it was all it is. You know, you're eating chicken cans of crap, processed chicken and, and broccoli. Right. Just horrible. I felt like terrible the entire time, like just unhealthy, like I was dying half the time. And then, I've done vegan. I actually went over a year, maybe close to two, pretty much strictly vegan. I mean, it wasn't like a religious thing. It was just kind of an experiment, but I felt great. Like eating complex carbs and, and, um, you know, fairly healthy vegan, not, not the fake processed soy crap vegan. I I felt good. Right. Like, and I've always felt really good vegan and I haven't really given like the higher fat keto, which is probably the good keto approach. Um, a chance. So, so, you know, I probably need to do that. But one of the things I heard early on was that breast milk, right? Like, you know, human breast milk, basically we, what I was told by this individual, I think his name is uh McDowell. Have you ever heard of a uh, Dr. Oh, McDougal, Dr. McDougal? He's a, he's a, he was a vegan dude, but he, he was always saying we should be eating like the nu- nutrient breakdown of human breast milk. Which is like five percent protein, and you know I don't know the actual breakdown, but I thought that was kind of an interesting concept. I wonder if you've ever heard anything like that.
1: No, you know that's way too low protein for an adult, right? There's yeah. differences in, in in kids their nutritional needs versus an adult's nutritional needs versus an elderly person's nutritional needs. Mm-hmm. So these these things tend to change as we get older. You know, there's some evidence that shows that. Protein intake is we need a lot of protein when we're young because we're growing, right? Mm-hmm. Less protein in your middle age because that can contribute to cancer. And then more protein as you get older to help prevent muscle breakdown as we get older.
0: Interesting, Super interesting. Yeah, but he agrees. I mean, what you said, I think, is that we eat way too much meat. And I totally agree with that. And you look at cultures around the world, like Asian cultures, right? They, they eat good complex carbs in, in rice and vegetables and you know they're they're maybe not as as wealthy typically in, in some areas so they eat very little meat right and it's definitely probably not processed meat for sure so um in our last couple minutes here richard this is super fun and we we've only covered like a couple of those topics you brought up but super fun water is something i've been really focused on and you mentioned earlier water you know, like tap water just can be very bad depending on where you're getting it. I've had here in Houston, like sand pebbles and just dirt coming out of my faucet. So that, you know, I don't even touch tap water anymore, especially with fluoride and other stuff they put in it. Um, what water do you recommend? Cause I've, I've heard of spring water. I've even heard of people drinking distilled water as, mm-hmm. as and um, you know, early on in my life, I thought that was a total no, no. But what, what do you recommend from a water perspective?
1: Yeah, so we actually get uh, mountain valley water delivered to the house. So spring water does have some benefits because it it picks up minerals, you know, beneficial trace minerals. And the pH is a little bit on the basic side. And so that can actually um, help with some of the physiology in our in our stomach and our intestines. Um, So that's what I drink, you know, if you want to get a water filtration system, a lot of people get the reverse osmosis water filtration systems, the reverse osmosis just basically pulls out all of that stuff that's not supposed to be there, and then leaves you with, with a clean, pure water. Um, typically, I tell people, you know, get some Himalayan rock salt or something like that, and mix a little bit in it, if you get the reverse osmosis water, so you can get some um, minerals with that. So it, it's quite sad, you know, you can buy these test kits online, right, where you can test, your water for Mm -hmm. heavy metals and contaminations and everything so i always tell people get one off amazon and test your tap water and see what comes out because (laughs) it's crazy that you know we lived in uh, this developed country and places do not have safe drinking water like one of the bare essentials of life yeah for sure
0: Man, Richard, this has been a blast, dude. We're going to have to have you back on and talk about some other topics because there's so many to cover from a health perspective these days. And I love what you're doing. You're doing some amazing things. I mentioned at the beginning of the show, but just run through it one more time. Where can people find you, learn more about what you're doing and uh, find your podcast?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So podcast is the Strive for Great Health podcast. It's available on all major podcast platforms or you can head to our website, theghwellness.com our online courses are available from there, our e-store as well. And then on social media, uh, you can find me pretty much on every social media at MD, except for Facebook. Facebook, uh, we're on there at Strive for Great Health Podcast, both the Facebook group, that's our wellness community, and then a podcast page, the Strive for Great Health Podcast as well.
0: Awesome, man. Well, pleasure having you on this has been a blast like i said make sure you're going and following richard because he's doing some cool things and he's got some great tips you know this is some of the best advice i've heard health wise in a long time so go follow him soak it up and uh pleasure
1: man it's been
0: great meeting you and i look forward to having you on again
1: thank you phil i'll come back and there's so many things we can talk about Oh, there's a yeah. uh, like with it here.
0: Way more than just health, right? Next time we got to get into business, man. But we were kind of at least I was on the health side. But i appreciate it, brother. You take care. Thank you so much. You too. If you think someone would benefit from hearing this episode or any of this content, please share it and send them over to goleadeverything.com to learn more. It has been amazing. To hear about all the individuals who listen to and are getting value from the content here at GLE. Thank you for your support. You are the reason we do what we do. See you next time. Go